Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5, 8. And I don't have a book of notes. I'm really, really trying to be better. I used to come out here with like 12 pages of notes. It was insane. So I only have five. For me, that's like super good. And, well, part of the reason I had so many notes is because the font was huge. So I didn't have to put on my, like, my reading glasses. But anyway, still, I'm trying to be better. Less notes means the more I have to rely on God and God's words, which is good. It's me stepping out more. Okay. Ephesians 5.8. So what I, well, I'm going to go ahead and read it. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship, repeat that, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil." One of the things I want to talk about tonight is being filled with the Spirit. And I know you're probably thinking, well, I know this, and I am, but I just want to get you really stirred up about what you have inside of you, who you have inside of you. And we want, God's given us so much, um, but we cannot be walking in it. It doesn't mean that we're automatically walking in it, right? The scripture says, and I find this really interesting. So anyway, I will, well, before I get into it, so I want to talk about being filled with the Spirit. I want to stir you up and what's on, what's, what's on the inside, how important it is, and how to keep yourself filled up. Because it's, it's so important. We want God using us, and the more filled up we are, the easier it is, the more natural it is. It's supernatural, but it'll be, I don't even really like to use the word natural, the more automatic it is. It's supernatural, but it'll become automatic for you. So, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. So in Ephesians 5, 8, for you were once darkness. I find that so fascinating that he says, for you were once darkness. He didn't say you were in darkness. He said you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And it says, walk as children of light. We, we are children of light when we're born again. But that doesn't mean that we're walking like it. It doesn't mean we're walking out all the things that he's given us. It doesn't mean we're showing him truly as he is meant to be shown to everybody. And down, go to Ephesians 5, 17. It also says, before you get there, it says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. Is it possible for Christians to walk as fools? Yes, this was written for us. We can walk as a fool every day. I mean, and that's kind of like, it hits you in the gut, but it's true. And we don't want to do that. We want to redeem the time. We want to show the light that, not the light that just we know, but the light that we are. We want to show what's on the inside of us. Amen? Ephesians 5.17.
Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. It says, understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, we can know what the will of the Lord is. We, we do know what the will of the Lord is, but we can know in every area of our lives. You know, if you talk to people today, people out in the world, they don't, under, they don't even understand that. They're like, like, nobody knows, you know. When it comes to God, it's kind of like, who knows? Or if it's, if it's the Lord's will, because they don't know. We can know what his will is for everything. And it's just stirring yourself up on that, that I know what he wants. I know where God's going with all this. I know what I have on the inside of me can help you tremendously when you're, you're out there shining your light to people. Amen? We can know the will of God. It says, don't be unwise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Be filled with the Spirit. You know, we are designed to be filled. We were made to be filled up. Go to Genesis 2-7. We were never meant to be empty vessels. You can either, you can be an empty vessel. Most people aren't empty vessels. They're full of something. <laughs> it could be, <laughs> sounds terrible. I wasn't, didn't mean to go there like that, but they can be full of, you know, just all kinds of junk or things that are unfruitful. You know, we, because we are a vessel, we are a vessel God made, and it's meant to be filled. In Genesis 2-7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. He breathed into us. We were a vessel just waiting. We did nothing. We were nothing. Adam was just laying there on the ground. He was nothing until God filled him and he became a man. Go to John 2, 6. Now we want to be the kind of vessels that God can use. We want to be vessels that are filled with his glory at all times. Do you ever watch that, uh, one of those shows that's like Storage Wars? It's, it's where, uh, what are those storage things where you keep your stuff and it has like the door? It's a what? Yeah, a pod or a storage unit. You know, I, I got to thinking about that. And on the show, you know, they, 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 get, they bid for it without... They open it up, but you can't go in and see. Like, you can just look at it from a distance and see what's in there. And sometimes they think, oh, there's going to be really good stuff. And they auction off to get it, and they're, like, super excited. And if they think there's something that they can sell, they get all excited about it. And sometimes they win the auction. They pay a bunch of money, sometimes a couple thousand dollars. And then they get in there, and they start digging, and it's just junk, just dusty junk, nothing that they can resell, and they're just so angry, you know, they've just lost all that money on it, and I got to thinking about that, you know, we, what do we look like on the inside, you know, that's not for us, you know, the world can look like that, but I want to be, someone could open our door and see on the inside, like, the most valuable, the most shiny, the most beautiful you know, things that are just so highly valuable is what they should see on the inside of us. Amen? Are you in John 2.6? There's a really cool, um, like, foreshadowing 
in John 2.6. And I guess you really, I should say a type and shadow because it's, um, anyway, hang on, I got to turn there. My app on here is not the fastest. And I had Zach show me how to do this a little bit quicker. So thank you, Zach. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Now there were six water pots of stone. This is just a really cool example of what was, what was to be. According to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said, draw it out now and take it to the master of the feast. So this is where they're at the wedding. And this was one of, this was like the beginning of signs for Jesus. And this is where his mother said, you know, whatever he tells you, just do it. So draw some out now and take it to the master. And they took it when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. I believe this was no accident that this was his first miracle. It was a vessel full of blessing for them. It was full of the best. Is back then that was, it, you know, it was different than today. That was they drank one. I think it was like a, it was like they get up and have orange juice. That's what they had. Their grape juice stuff. Anyway, that's a whole other topic over there. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Different customs, different country, ever all, all that good stuff. But the point is the good stuff. He turned the water into wine, and the vessel was full. I believe it was no accident um, that he did this. The disciples got to see like a foreshadowing of what they were going to become when they got born again. They were going to be something filled with God's glory, and that was something that they had never experienced before. The Old Testament, the prophet could be anointed and have the Holy Spirit on him, but they, they didn't, they dreamed of a time that we live in. We could have Jesus in our heart and then get the gift of the Holy Spirit and be full, filled with God's glory, filled with his Holy Spirit, being able to speak out his words and perform miracles like Jesus. I mean, I think if you, you talk to one of them back then before they, you know, before they knew this was going to happen, I mean, they would have just been looking at us like, like this is nuts. This is crazy. This is really going to happen. You know, this, we are living in such a blessed time. That's why it says we have to redeem the time. We cannot wake up every day and go on autopilot. Okay, I got to get up. I got to get the kids ready. I got to go to work. We have to redeem the time. We have to say, wait a minute. You know, because your flesh is going to try to override you every single day. It's going to scream at you every day. Just get through your work day. Just get, just get by. You'll be fine till you get home. Then you can rest. You cannot go on autopilot. You've got to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When you're talking to people at your job, whatever you're doing, we need to stay continually being filled up on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Turn to 2 Timothy 2.21. So I have a few other scriptures that talk about us being a vessel. I got really stirred up just, just meditating on, you know, this is who I am. This is who I'm designed to be. So 2 Timothy 2.21 Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. We want to be a vessel prepared for every good work. We want to be a vessel that's ready when God says, go do this. We say, 
yes. And we jump to it and we're ready and we're confident and we're bold. Amen. Turn to Matthew 9, 16. And I do encourage you to write these scriptures down because like I said, I got very encouraged just remembering who I really am and just pushing the flesh away. It helps me every day. <clears throat> helps me crucify that flesh. All right, where did I say? Matthew 9? Okay. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. You know, God wasn't going to just come into our spirit and then, you know, he had a plan to, he didn't want to come in and just like fix us up. His plan was to make us completely new. <clears throat> Turn to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He put a new wine into the new wineskins. That's us. 2 Corinthians 4. Am I going too fast for people to write it down and turn, or is it decent-ish? <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, 2 Corinthians 4. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's a treasure. Treasure is something highly valuable, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. It's a beautiful example of the new birth and then filling of God's spirit and we need to stay full if we want him controlling us. And we do, because we said, Jesus, be my Lord, be my master. We, we've said that, we've spoken that, and that we, it's truly what we want. The more full we are, the more he has control, and the more blessing comes with that. Turn to Acts 17.28. For in him, we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we, also, we are also his offspring. For in him, we live and move and have our being. This is who we are supposed to be. It's not about feelings. If you let your feelings get involved with your, with your everyday you're going to be in big trouble because there are days you have God in you, but you're not going to feel it. And we're going to talk more about how to handle that, but you cannot go by feelings. How many of you guys, when you asked Jesus in your heart, you first got born again, you had goosebumps and tingles and some people, some people have a very emotional experience, and sometimes they have a very supernatural manifestation kind of, you know, God all over them experience. But I'd say a lot of people don't. I mean, how many people had that kind of experience when you asked Jesus in your heart? It was very simple, wasn't it? You asked Jesus in your heart, and you had that witness, and you had a peace you probably never had before. And I know some of you were children. You were really young. You probably don't remember. You just remember hearing, wow, Jesus is really cool. You know, that's how it was for me. Cindy told me about Jesus, and I was probably in kindergarten or something. And I was like, he wants to be my best friend? That's great, because I don't have any friends. <laughs> we lived in the country, and I was always, I mean, the, the next house was like miles away. And didn't have anybody to hardly play with, you know, you had to go really far. So I was super excited. I'm like, we're going to go play. And, you know, I was out there talking to him. 
I was out playing in the cornfield and talking to him about stuff. And, you know, I was thrilled. But I didn't have a goosebump, you know, experience. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like a feeling. So turn to Proverbs 25, 20, verse 5. And this is kind of a side note, but I was talking about feelings before. In Proverbs 20, it says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Deep water, it's... Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. It's far below our shallow emotions. This is something far bigger. We, we, we cannot, if you're, um, this is why it's so important to renew our mind and wait on the Lord and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If your initial response to everything is an emotional response, you're going to find yourself uh, being like a ping, what is it? What are those old-fashioned video games? Not video games, but pinball. I kept wanting to say ping pong, and I'm like, that's not it. You're going to be like a pinball. You're going to get bounced all over the place. God's not going to be able to use you. He's going to look down and be like, I can't ask him to do this. They're going to freak out, and then they're not going to do it. You know, he's going to pass you by and ask somebody else, and they're going to get the blessing. And we don't want that to be us. So if your initial response is to act out of your emotions. You're going to find yourself in trouble every single day. It says, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. It's, it's, it's renew your mind and read in the word. It's, it's something far greater, and it's something that is not ruled by emotions, and it never will be. Get your, you know, we have emotions, and... We have to get beyond that when we're making our decisions and learn to chill out and just be patient and say, okay, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do here? You know, I'm really nervous about this situation, but I want to know I'm not going to act out of my nervousness or I'm super excited because someone just told me I was going to have this job and make a gazillion dollars. You know, that can get you super emotional. And that can, most people in the world, I mean, that's a clicker right there. You just told them you're going to give them the most epic job. And then they find out they're going to have to move somewhere where there's no church. There's nothing good for their family. There's no godly people but they're so excited. It must be good because it feels good and it's so exciting. And we can't live like that. We have to, the blessing is living out of being ruled by the Holy Spirit and being renewed in our mind. And sometimes we have to just say, calm down, you know, flesh, calm down and be patient and find out what the Lord is saying to us. Amen. Um, Greg and I are not house hunting now, but uh, several years ago, we, we, you know, we were itching to move out because we needed more space. And I, I had, we'd had a few houses, we had bought a few houses during that time. And I, I, I learned through that process, never get so excited about a house. Like, like it may, I had a list of what it needed to be in the natural. You know, it needs to have this many rooms, this many bathrooms, whatever, this much land. I had my list. I wasn't going to settle below. But I, I didn't want something that looked perfect. And then I find out later there's something horrible because I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, nobody wants to get stuck with, you know, some crazy, horrible situation, but you can walk into a situation like that and your heart just gets so stuck on something and you think it's your heart. It's really your mind, what you've meditated on. You've let yourself get really excited and then it just makes it harder and harder for you to listen to God. So I learned after a few houses, you know, do not let yourself get emotional or excited one iota. Just see if it checks the list 
and then keep a take it or leave it attitude no matter what, no matter how good a deal it is, it doesn't matter until I find out if God's okay with this. And when I've done that, not just with a house, but when I've done that with all kinds of situations, whether it's a job or something my kids are wanting to do, when I do that and I keep a proper order of things, I keep God first and I keep my emotions out of it or my excitement, you know, I, I continually can make good decisions that, that prove fruitful later. And we're meant to live that way. God doesn't, he has a better plan. The devil works in this earth and he can attack your emotions and he can come at you in the natural in all kinds of ways. And God has so much of a better plan, so much of a better plan. God wants us to always be making good decisions and so the people see us and they're like, why does everything always go so good for you? You know, why are you always getting the good deals? You know, we want people to be jealous. We want them to want what we have because we want to share it with them. Amen? And that was a side note, but all right, turn to Acts 2. So we're designed to be vessels. That are to be used by him. And the more we allow this, the happier we're going to be. You know, he's a good father. He's blessing us. He's taking care of us. And he's given us everything that we need. So in Acts 2.1, this was basically the beginning of the church. This is the age that we live in. This is where we live, basically. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, all filled, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled. I cannot emphasize enough that getting filled with the Spirit is for all believers. It's not just a Pentecost, Pentecostal thing or a charismatic thing. It is a, it is a thing for all of us. And I don't like to say thing, it's, it's Him. It's the Holy Spirit. It's a hymn coming in, in the inside of us, but it is for all. There's no, you know, there's people who are kind of like, take it or leave it, but God meant this for every single one of us. And the more you read about it and the more you find out the blessing that comes from it, the more you're going to want that. Go to John 4.4. 4. I did not put it on my notes. Most I usually print out my scriptures, and then when I don't, then I end up finding, I, I think I don't have a lot of notes, and then I realize, oh, wait, there's like all this stuff that I got to go to on here that's not on here. And I think I might have put the wrong thing. Oh, no, I didn't. Okay. Okay, yeah, it's about the Samaritan woman. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, uh, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And he probably said it nicer than that. <laughs> then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, instead of just giving him a drink, she says, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus said, so 
she's clearly being sidetracked, being sidetracked with the racism of the time. Jews did not have dealings with Samaritans and vice versa. You know, there's no new tricks. The same junk and garbage goes on today, and it's all for distraction. He's, he's trying to bless this woman, and she's just like, what do you want to have to do with me? You know, we don't have any dealings with each other. And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where She doesn't get it at all. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank it from himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I might not thirst. She's still just living in the natural. She's just been, you know, living a natural life, and she's focused on it. She says, Give me this water so that I'm never thirsty. I don't ever have to come here again. And Jesus says, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman says, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So she did know, she knew there were prophets. She, she knew some religious things. I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. For the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. There's so much in that. I mean, I could do like a whole nother uh, night on that. I mean, you could go home and read that and just get so much out of it, talking about worshiping and spirit and truth. We're talking about being filled with the spirit tonight, you know, and God's saying, you know, he's, he's looking, he's seeking such to worship. You know, we want him to stop here. You know, we want him, when he's looking, we want him to say, oh, those people, those are the ones that get it. Those are the ones that know me. They're the ones who know how to contact me with their spirit. That's what we want. Amen. But this lady at the well, you know, water is a type of the spirit. And are we drinking enough? Are we getting filled up enough every day? You know, it's important. The devil tried to keep this woman distracted and keeping her from filling up. And you know what? The same thing happens today. There's all these distractions, all these things. You know, the devil wants our mind. He wants our mind on things other than God, other than on his word, other than focusing on the Holy Spirit that's inside us. And it, the more we do that, the more it's like someone's taking a bucket and pulling, the, pulling that water out and dumping it on the curb. And we need to be filling up and filling up and filling up. And it's not a weekly thing. It's not a Sunday thing. It's not a Wednesday thing. It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. It's a daily lifestyle that we need to live. And we can live in a way that is so much different than how the world lives. I mean, things, can, things are going to come to us because we live in this natural world. But people will be shocked at how we just, whatever, you know, God's got this. You know, and, I, and there's no, I'm not talking about being fake or put on, but just... You're so full, and you know on the inside, you have that peace, and you have that witness that 
you know, God really does have this. This is, this is no big deal. I mean, have you noticed in your walk with, with God, you know, the more you grow, you meet people who struggle with stuff at work or in a grocery store, and you're like, man, you know, that hasn't been an issue for me for like 10 years. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't have a problem with that. Like, you're just like, thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I've learned your word. I've learned that, that that doesn't have to be a big issue for me. That doesn't have to be something that tears up my family. You know, God's so good. And we, we can continue to grow and continue to grow until the next age. You know, we're in the church age, but we're also in the ends of the church age. You know, and there's another age coming. Christ is going to come back and take us out. And then we're going to come back. This is like faith school for us, you know? It's like we're here and God left us with a few devils that we get to overcome and we get, we get to slap around. And are we passing those tests, though? Are we passing them? You know, we need to be passing those tests because we're going to come back and we're going to reign with him. And if we're going to be useful, we, he needs to look at us and go, that was nothing for you. You're over this city. You're over this country. You know, this is, this is, this is our testing ground. And this is this much of eternity. Eternity's, you know, limitless. It's huge. Our time here in the church age on this earth is like this. So we must stay full of the Spirit. We've got to stay full, and so we're going to talk a little bit about, well, first of all, let me go back. I'm getting too far ahead. What did the disciples, what was the first thing they did when they got filled? They spoke. They spoke. When you get filled, you speak. When you get really full of the Spirit, it just comes out of you. You speak. I like... Uh, Dan's talking about the gas tank because it's a really good example. It reminds me a minister was, you know, talking about how, you know, you, you put the thing in the gas tank and you're, you're getting the gas and you're getting the gas and you, it's getting filled up and it's getting filled up and it's getting filled up. Well, at some point, you know, you have to stop or it's just going to come flying out. And it can be the same way with us. And the way it manifests is... I mean, it can manifest in different ways, but the number one way is what we say and what we speak. You know, um, we all have different personalities. Some of us, it's easier to talk to people than others. And I, sometimes I talk to the teenagers about this because Lord knows I know where they're at when they're shy and they don't know what to say. And, and you know... I'm trying to give them tips and ideas of how to open conversations, you know, so we, they can make those connections over there and find friends and everything. And, and I really enjoy doing that because I'm someone who came from being one of those people, terrified to talk to people. And I wish I'd known as a teenager about, I was spirit-filled. And I did pray in the spirit, but I was not keeping filled. I, and I certainly, I wasn't in church I was completely just doing my own thing. And I wish I knew what these teenagers know and hear now because the more you, you get filled up, the more you don't have to dig and try to hunt for words. It, like I said earlier, it's just automatic. You know, you can trust God, ask God, hey, give me, give me an idea, give me something to say. And it's, you don't have to work it up. It's not a worked up thing. So how do we stay filled up with the Holy Spirit? Some easy, easy ways is yield every time you can. I heard another minister say two things you can learn in life that are huge. Learn what to yield to and learn what to resist. And it can absolutely change your life. We need to yield every time we can to God's voice. Don't minimalize stuff. Well, this is no big deal. You know, yeah, this is an opportunity. It might not be a big deal to you or to somebody else, but it's an opportunity for you 
to yield more and more to his spirit. Yielding is very important. And resisting when the devil comes at you with just stupid, you know, stupid thoughts. Everybody's going to come up with stupid thoughts. And you just say, huh, I'm not having that. You know, I resist that in Jesus' name. And, and the power of God will help you resist those things. You know, he'll help you. And then you have to, this is where the word comes in. You replace those thoughts with God's word. Amen. So also don't resist or reject the Holy Spirit when he's dealing with you about stuff. That's another way to stay filled up. It's very important. Um, where is that in Ephesians? Oh, it's in the beginning. So turn back really quick to Ephesians 5.8. No, it's not 5.8. 5.17, sorry. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And what he says right after is another key, speaking to one another in psalms and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Sing to yourself in songs and hymns. You can sing church songs. You can sing... Now, you can, you can sing a church song till it's just blah, 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 in your ear. You know, it's an earworm. And you're not really getting revelation on the words. You can do that, and it's not going to do you any good. You know, that's part of the reason this doesn't say sing church songs only. It doesn't say that. It says... Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You have to have a heart connection. We, I don't care, I'm not a singer, and half the time I can't even remember the tunes to songs at church, or if I do, it's like something from 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed, but I don't know why. It's just, just when I think when I first started coming back to church, the, the tunes just got ingrained in my brain, and I can't get past it. But what I do, you know, I'll sing along a little bit of whatever that church song was. But then, you know, I'll start putting my own words. Sometimes there'll be a secular song that was playing on TV for like a minute, like a commercial or whatever, you know, and you just kind of hear that jingle. Replace it. Sing it. Who cares? It's not about the, the beat or whatever. It's about the words. Replace it with your own words. You know, make your own tune to it. And, and, you, and it doesn't have to rhyme. You know, and I'm, I wish I could get up here and, like, give you an example and do it, but I'm, I don't quite have that kind of boldness. <laughs> but if we have Brother Steve here, I could have him do it, and he would probably be happy to. But it's, it's really easy. I mean, you know, just, God, I love you. It doesn't even have to sound Bible-ish. You can use, use how you speak when you speak to God. Use words you use. Say, you know, Lord, I think you're awesome. I just thank you for the Holy Spirit, he, you know. And then, you know, you can put a tune to it or not. You don't have to. But it's, it's, it's really important what we're saying. It's really important. And don't just think it. Like, sing it. And, and we all have moments throughout our day when we can do this. Amen? We can find it if we look for it. Ask God. Say, show me when I can do this. He will. So the next thing, which is a more obvious thing of staying filled up, is speaking in tongues. And the church began that way. They began speaking in tongues. It shows how big a deal it was. And it was no accident that every person in that room got filled because God meant it for all believers. Super, super important. And it's not something God is, he's not the one that's going to come in and take over and make you do it and wiggle your tongue and make you say words. 
God doesn't work that way. The, the devil does that when he possesses people. That's, that's his realm. God doesn't do that. They began to speak from that overflow. They got so filled up and fired up, they immediately started speaking. They were speaking words that were glorifying God. They were singing psalms in him. It was just coming up out of them. And they were getting filled up on it. They were getting drunk from it. You know, the devil has counterfeits. He wants people to come home from work and be like, man, I had such an exhausting day. I'm going to pour myself an alcoholic drink and just forget about my day and put my feet up. You know, and then nothing's, if you had a rough day, nothing's going to change from that, from doing that. The devil has that because he's trying to copy what God has for you. When you focus, like refuse to focus on negative junk and garbage and negative thoughts. Replace it with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, words, focusing on telling God how much you love him, how much you appreciate him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for my day. Even if it's just, Lord, thank you for the sun today. Like, I just appreciate it. Even if it's that, it can be so simple. You know, you, the more you, you will start doing this and you'll think, well, it's not really affecting me that much. You keep doing it. Keep doing it. And keep doing it. You know, at some point during your day, you're going to realize, I wasn't thinking about things that depress me. I wasn't thinking about stuff that pulls me down. And you'll find at a certain point that it's coming up out of you easier. And your countenance is up. It's lighter. It's changed. It's not what it, you know, what is, it's not what it was, you'll immediately, not immediately, but you will, because I don't, I don't want to say immediate, because I've been working this out myself, you know, got to stay filled with the Spirit, filled up every day, and, and I've noticed for myself, you know, at first I'm like, okay, I don't feel like doing this, but that doesn't matter. I'm not living by my feelings. And my mind, I, I'm a thinker. I mean, I'll go to the movies, and my mind is elsewhere. I'm looking at the screen, and all this action and excitement's happening. My mind is a 1,000 miles away. I'm not thinking about it at all. I, I don't know what they call that, but that's just how I am. And, and I've determined I'm not going to let, you know, not going to think everything out because I... I this is who I'm designed to be, a vessel filled with him. And thinking my own thoughts, not that you aren't thinking good thoughts or you're not planning things, and we all have to do that, but doing that more than thinking and thanking God and using your mouth to worship him, that's where you get in trouble. The more you focus on him and and praying out in the spirit daily, daily, not a sometimes on a Sunday, sometimes on a Wednesday, a daily thing. The more you do it, the more filled up you'll be. The more will be vessels that he can use. Amen. Turn to, no, we already went to X. Yeah, we already did X 2-1. Why did I put that on there? Okay, Brother Hagen said, that the more that he spoke in tongues, the more he operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Well, we should have manifestations of Spirit. It's the power of God. It's, just, it's the power of God in demonstration as a witness to people. That's who we're designed to be. You can't say, well, gifts of the Spirit are just for ministers. No. We are designed to be filled, and we're designed to speak. That's why the, the epic beginning of the church was in such a dramatic fashion. Tongues of fire on their head, and then they spoke in all these different languages. They're magnifying God, and they got filled up, and they had joy, and people were like, what is going on? Like, they're having a really good time. You know, that's 
who we're supposed to be. We're, we're supposed to, when we're more filled and the more we pray in the spirit, we'll, it'll be an automatic thing. You'll be talking to someone at, at work and you'll say something. They'll be like, how did you know that? And you're like, I didn't know. You know, you, it just came out. You said something. It was, it's a demonstration of God. God's trying to get their attention. God wants to use you. It's not just for ministers. He wants to use all of us every day. I was, um, I work at a school. You guys know that, I think. And I'm sitting with all the fourth graders. And there's this kid. I've been trying to get him born again for two years. I've never had a kid that it was this difficult. But apparently, this kid was abandoned by his mom. And he has an issue with ladies. He doesn't trust ladies. And I didn't find this out till later. And now I'm like, okay, I kind of see why he's standoffish towards me. But I, you know, we've had walks between classes where I've been able to talk to him, you know, about Jesus. You know, are you interested? And he's always like, he listens to me. He's very honest. And he's just like, nah, I don't think I want any of that. And that's been his response like every time. And I'm like, Okay, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to push it, but I'm not giving up on this kid. And I'm praying for him. And so we're eating lunch and uh, I'm stuck eating with all the messy little kids. And I'll squished in, there's like 10 of us at a table on each side. And so he's, he's sitting there and he's like, I'm like, what's wrong with you? He's like, my throat hurts. I'm like, okay. So I just kept eating. (laughs) Like, okay, you know, there's like all kids sick all around you. It's, and I've been praying for him. I know this was the Holy Spirit. Because I, I, I was not, I'm not pushing him, you know, I want to be led in getting him saved. I, I'm, I'm going to do this right. I'm not going to ruin it if I'm just the person to sow seed <laughs> in his life. So I'm like, I said, do you want that to be gone? And he looks at me and he's like, well, yeah. I said, well, I can pray for you. Jesus will heal you. I said, I do it for my kids all the time. You know, I pray for them. It's gone. We move on. They enjoy life. And he's like, he's like, okay. And I was like, all right. He's open. Got him open. So we're right there at the table. And I didn't even lay hands on him. You know, I just said, you know, I'm I just rebuke that in Jesus' name. I don't even think that's what I said because I was afraid that'd freak him out. I think I just I just prayed for him. I just said, I just asked the Lord to heal your throat, you know, that it's not going to hurt anymore. It's going to be better. You know, in Jesus' name, amen. It was something really simple. And he looked at me and I, I said, I said, by the time you're done, he just kind of looked at me like, yeah, lady. I said, by the time you're done eating, it's going to be gone. And so he's like, Okay, so he starts eating, and then he's like, should I eat fast or should I eat slow? And he was serious. And I'm like, I've got this kid making a connection. Like, he's anticipating. That's the, he's, he's using his faith where he's at, you know, he, for whatever he's got in his situation. I'm like, I got him open, and I'm like, that was the Holy Spirit, because there's no way for me to know I mean, I just said it. I didn't think about it. I didn't plan it. And so, anyway, after lunch, we separated. And then I caught back up with him about an hour later. And I said, how's your throat? And he's like, he looks at me and he goes, it's better. <laughs> like, is it really better? And he goes, well, I'm still coughing. And I said, you didn't tell me you were coughing. I didn't pray for your cough. So <laughs> I prayed for your throat. And I said, is it really better? And he goes, yes, it's gone. And, and, and so far, that's where we're at. But God is getting his attention, big time. And, and he's, he's learning to trust me, too, and that's part of it, I'm sure. And, you know, I might not be the one that gets him born again. It might not, it might not be me. I, it doesn't have to be, you know, but I'm going to stay sensitive as long as I know him. But, you know, it can be that simple, just that simple, and God will give you just the right thing to say because he's been such a tough cookie. But God knew what to say to help him get open and to make a connection. 
And, and that, that's a lifestyle God's wanting us to live out every day, you know, using those opportunities. He's wanting to get people's attention. There's a big harvest out there, you know, that's ready to be reaped. Amen? Oh, gosh. I am not going to even finish this. But I don't think it's enough to come back in a few weeks. So really quickly, sing into yourself how to stay filled. Sing into yourselves, songs, hymns, spiritual songs. And like I said, it doesn't have to be spiritual, churchy. It doesn't use words that you use every day. Pray in the spirit and encourage and edify yourself. And David did this. In 1 Samuel, you don't want to turn there, it says, now David was greatly distressed. He went through a lot of craziness and stress. He was anointed king as a kid, and then he went through craziness until it ever happened. It says, for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved or blaming everything on him. Anyway, it says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And if you go read Psalms, you can see some of the, the ways, and he said it in his way, the way they spoke back then. You say it in the way that works for you. Um, you know, the decision to speak encouragement to yourself instead of, you know, instead of meditating on your lack of being able to do stuff or what's wrong with the situation, you're choosing to speak that encouragement about yourself, over yourself, who you are, what God's placed in you, who's in you, is using your faith. Faith, it's yielding. The more you yield, it is an opportunity to get yourself filled up. And the more full you are, the more utterance is going to come, more quickening will come, and you'll just get more and more full and God will be able to use you. And I had some examples, if you want to write this down, of what happens when you're full. Um, Acts 4, 8 through 31. And it's about Stephen getting full of the Holy Spirit. You know, they sought him out. They could tell. They didn't walk up to Stephen. If you go back and read it, you know. They didn't walk up to him and say, are you a believer? Are you filled with the Spirit? Do you pray every day? No, like they could tell. People should be able to tell something's different about us and not that we're weird. <laughs> that shouldn't be what they see. They should see that peace, that power that's on the inside of us. Amen. You know, the devil fights speaking in tongues. He fights it tooth and nail. He doesn't fight... You know, feeding the poor and things, it's good. He doesn't fight that like he fights speaking in tongues. He fights it to the core because if you go to Mark 16, uh, you don't have to go, but I'll read it. It says, you know, it's the great commission that we've been given. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who doesn't will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They, they will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will be no, by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That is what we're supposed to do. That's what he wants. He's going to fight that the most. Don't let people tell you it's nutty and crazy. You put that away. You listen and read, find out for yourself what praying in the Spirit is about and see the fruit of it. And you're, if you're not Spirit-filled, you're going to want that. Amen? You know, we're, the Great Commission is our directive. You know, it is, it's good to do natural things, but that's not the Great Commission. We have to keep our focus on the Great Commission before other things. And how are we going to do this if we're not filled? Those are some big things in there. Those are big. But we can do that. And it's for all of us to do. It's not just for ministers. So number one, be filled. Number two, stay filled. Remember, you're a vessel. 
Don't let your vessel get empty. Number three, speak in tongues every day, every day. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Find in him scriptures, things that can help you, remind you of who you are. And forego and do the Great Commission. You're well equipped if you'll do these things. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.